Cheap Talk 53, the latest side one. It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Or you just suck. I can't argue with that. Hot. Welcome back to Cheap Talk, your unofficial Cheap Trick podcast. I'm Ken Mills, and as usual, I'm joined by the lovely, talented Brian Cramp. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. A little slow on the uptake there, BJ. That's why band practice is so important. And today joining us is from the Rock Solid podcast. Please introduce yourself, sir. This is Pat Francis, and I am excited to be back to talk about uh, this Cheap Trick album. Mm-hmm. Today we are discussing the 16th studio album from released on June 23rd, 2009, 10 years ago today. Pat, tell us a little bit about Rock Solid, your show. Rock Solid is the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. We have uh, uh, a string of rotating co-hosts. I've been having a lot of guest co-hosts lately. I, I allow fans to come in and pick a topic and uh, co-host. Of course, that's something they pay for. Hey, what are you going to do? Um, we also have a, a musical guest from time to time. Most recently, we've had Richie Ramone from the Ramones, Randy Bachman from BTO, Sean Cassidy, and Nancy Wilson of Hearts. All guests are in studio with me. Uh, I don't do any Skype or any phone interviews because uh, a lot of people live in, in Los Angeles, and I want to meet these people. So why not? You're very lucky in that respect. And BJ, yeah. while we're at it, why don't we do a plug for your show, The Rock and or Roll Podcast? I'm currently in the middle of a Motley Crue series, which has divided my fan base, but it's almost <laughs> over. So, <laughs> Oh, the worst band ever. <laughs> your show, Rock and or Roll Podcast, it's really about love of music and getting into, I mean, you really deep dive into your subjects. Yeah, and usually I concentrate on more obscure topics than Motley Crue, but I've done a couple album-by-album album series before. I did Def Leppard and Iron Maiden, and I decided it would be fun to do Motley Crue because I had a lot of opinions about Motley Crue, many of them negative, but I thought it would be fun to and interesting and entertaining, but it's gone on too long <laughs> at this point. <laughs> kind of like Motley Crue themselves. Anyhow... Yeah. But And, of course, a plug for all my shows. There are so many of them, but uh, between the three of us, gentlemen, we're probably responsible for more hot air than the Hindenburg. <laughs> Lots of unnecessary content. That's right. But fun, nonetheless. Right. So we do more than just Cheap Trick. We do more than just Kiss. We do tons of stuff. Uh, so if you want to check us out, we are all over the place, and we welcome all the Cheap Talk listeners to, to check us out. So today we're discussing the 16th studio album, the latest from Cheap Trick. At this point, it's no longer the latest, is it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a few years old at this point. came out in 2009, and I remember at the time there was a gimmick that came out. Not only was this album released on CD, vinyl, MP3, but also on 8-track. Do you guys remember that? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. That got every uh, FM DJ talking around the country. Yeah, I was just thinking yesterday I should have bought a couple of those because now it's worth so much money. And I should have seen that coming, <laughs> you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eight track helped push this to twenty four thousand copies sold in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping it sold more than that. The Wikipedia listing says that the latest debuted at number seventy eight on the Billboard Top two hundred and number six on the Top Rock Album charts. And according to this, as of March 2016, the album sold 24,000 copies in the United States. It's got to have sold more than that at this point, right? I know that it's hard to come by, right, Pat? Yeah, it is. It's uh, uh, One of my listeners is just getting into Cheap Trick now, and he tweeted that he could not find this album. And I was like, oh, I'll find it for you, no problem. And I could not find it in all the you know used CD stores out here in Los Angeles. I went to every one. I could not find a copy at ebay it's very expensive i think it was expensive one used on amazon so yeah this is a tough one to find physically the struggle is real now which listener was that this was uh i think greg cadester yeah he's he's really cool he's he's a he's a good guy it's pretty beat up but he did find it so good. at least it's the music well i remember when i bought it originally like pre-ordered it or whatever it was uh, on CD, they sent me a CDR, like a, it was just like a, a cover from like a printer that you could print at home practically at a CDR. And they did that to a bunch of people and everybody complained. And then they sent everybody a real, an actual, you know, professionally produced CD. So then I had two copies of it, but I gave that CDR. I remember I gave that to my friend Craig, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess if you didn't buy this, you know, reasonably soon after it came out then it they stopped making them i guess mm-hmm. yeah i'm bummed because i always buy the uh i always like to buy the japanese pressings mm-hmm. and this is one i didn't buy the japanese pressing for and yeah forget about getting that that's no way right yeah i wonder why they went with that cdr thing seriously what was that all about i don't know it was something with amazon i think I think is what it was. The label of record on this is Cheap Trick Unlimited. And Pat and I were discussing before we started the call that we were wondering if this was even on Spotify. And good news, it's there, folks. All right. Yeah, I was I was kind of worried that it wasn't going to be. This is probably not one of my standout Cheap Trick albums. If you've noticed with this show, the things that I haven't really wanted to talk got pushed back towards the end of rotation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the last album we need to cover. We're done after this, right? Yes, this is the last official Cheap Trick, Cheap Talk album roundtable. That doesn't mean that it's going to be the last one. It's Until the next album, yeah. (laughs) Or until we decide to go again, because... Right. You know, there were a couple that you and I both weren't on, and plus, we it's just cheap trick. We love cheap trick, and we're going to talk about those albums. I could talk about these albums over and over again. And there's some that my opinion might change over years, right? Yeah. But there's uh, ones that they'll never change on, and those are the ones that I absolutely love. So the, <laughs> the, those albums will never be touched. Like, I always hate it when people say, oh, someone covered a song and they ruined it. You know what I mean? It's not like George Lucas taking away the original pan shot first thing. Nothing really has affected the actual song, right? Yeah. Right. So, Pat, what's your overall thoughts on this album? First of all, I I would like to talk about the album cover. Okay. I hate the album cover 
and the title because they don't go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really bothers me. Like the latest is just a bad pun. Have you heard the latest from Cheap Trick? No, what's it called? The latest. I know, but what uh do I hate that? <laughs> these uh I think these photos that they use for the cover, I think they just repurpose these from uh like a John is it John Veritos? John Varvatos, yeah, yeah. It was like an advertising shoot they did, yeah. Yeah, so they just kind of repurposed these. And I mean I mean they could have if they if they would have called this the latest find, then it would make sense because Rick's buried and the other guys are looking in the sand. You know what I mean? Right. But just, just they could have named it anything. They could have named Life's a Beach. That's stupid too. But you know what? <laughs> something. I just feel like this is just a real lazy effort on this title and the cover i don't i don't not like the cover photo i just don't like it in conjunction with the album title mm. and inside the booklet there's some cool live photos i like those but uh yeah this this album cover always really bothered me this in the title mm-hmm. do you guys have any feelings on the album covers or the title uh- of the album I would agree with what you said that the title and the cover don't match at all. The 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 picture's funny, you know, and and sure. Rick Nielsen gets to be a character in it. But yeah, the, going with the latest as the title and that cover, yeah, it's it doesn't match up at all. I mean, they could have called it "Where's Rick," and I would have liked it better. You know what I mean? <laughs> or find Rick, like you know, where's Waldo? Or yeah, yeah, exactly, kind of exactly. That's just my silliness that I wanted to get out of the way. Going along with that, if you flip yeah. the album over, you have the title of the songs, but you also have them on the bikes, right? Uh, yeah. No, on the back of my CD, I have them like standing in silhouette, like down by the beach. Mm. Yeah, that's that's. But I know I know the picture you're talking about. Yeah, which almost throws me back to in color. Yeah, <laughs> in some weird way. Now there were a couple different versions of this that came out. There's the famous one BJ talked about, which was just a CDR and a uh, Xerox. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Pat, you and I were talking about how there are different versions of this. Yeah, I have it in a jewel case, but there was also like a a cardboard. It would like flip out, and so like the pictures that are in my booklet actually flipped out from the. Uh, from the cardboard slide in, whatever you want to call it, digipack type mm-hmm. of format. Okay, yeah, I have a jewel case too. I also have a jewel case. What about the album? I know Pat, you were lucky enough to get one signed, correct? Yo, yeah, I have this. I have a vinyl copy of this uh, signed. I got it signed at the House of Blues on the Sunset Strip when the band played there. Robin Bunny and um, Rick all exited out the front. And whoever the last member was to sign who came out the front, we asked if Tom was coming out. And they said, oh, Tom drove himself here. He's parked in the back. So we made a beeline. We ran to get back there just as Tom was putting his key in his car. And uh, it was just me and my friend Susanna. He happily called us over and, and signed and was Tom's always they're always all nice. But Tom, that smile just it's just extra added fun when you meet Tom. Mm. Not only are they nice, but they're all all right. So. <laughs> yes, they are. I just want to throw this out there for your listeners. When I opened up my CD copy, uh, an orange Rick Nielsen guitar pick fell out, which I must have gotten that night at the show. Mm. So I want to tell the first person to email me 
via rocksolidpodcast at gmail.com. I will send this pic to you. I, I just did it. So Yeah, I was going to say I'll do it right yeah, now. Yeah, don't, don't bother. You should probably ask him to put cheap trick pick in the subject line or something. Okay. Hey, guys, put cheap trick pick in the subject line. <laughs> That'll help you sort yeah. at least. Sure, sure. Why not? If I don't answer your email, that means that you weren't first. So I just don't want to answer a million emails. You know what I mean? But if you're first, I will say you're the winner and then I'll send it to you. And if you're not first, I'll just delete that. So don't think I'm being rude. That's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Very right. Good. I just said a little giveaway in conjunction with the show. That's right. Yeah, Cheap thanks. talk <laughs> where you win. <laughs> The phrase that pays. Before we jump into the album, let's talk about the band's presence, not only on social media and the video, but they were on TV a lot for this album. Conan O'Brien especially. I was there. And The Daily Show. Mm -hmm. They were on The Daily Show too. I was at the Conan O'Brien taping. Really? They did Sick Man of Europe, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With go-go dancers. There was a sound issue during the taping of that song. So uh, when everyone cleared out, uh, I, I know some people that work on the show. I got to stay and Cheap Trick did it all over again. So the one that you guys saw that aired isn't really even in front of a, a live audience. It's just front of the handful of people that were still there. Oh, really? So there's some that's, inside info. Yeah, that's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. And there was a video made, right, for... Uh when the lights go out right yep yeah yes, it was can you describe it I'm trying to think if i even remember it was i think it was from some of the night gallery footage some of the same footage that mm-hmm. from when they shot those videos at the night gallery like yeah. for he's a whore and it was kind of a compilation kind of a thing yeah of, of old footage and then there was the sick man of europe was that not also a video i don't uh, recall a video for not that. that i remember it doesn't yeah. mean there's not one yeah. yeah i just remember being disappointed when i saw the video after seeing them perform it on conan o'brien because it was so much cooler the whole thing seems to be done on the cheap you know the the cdr aspect the the repurposing photos the the videos that were just uh compilations of past footage i mean that's just uh that's just me i i guess uh i guess i'd rather have a, a cheap trick album done on the cheap than none at all right that's how i feel about this if you were a real cheap trick head you probably heard 60 percent of this album before it was released in other forms whether it was demos bootlegs or whatever at the time bunny made a comment something to the effect of that they haven't written anything new in years I feel that alternative titles for this album could have been Not Complete, mm-hmm. Not Finished, and Leftovers, again. Yeah, Repurposed, Leftovers, yeah, all that. Other stuff we found. <laughs> Which yeah. would have made sense. There's found all the parts, right? <laughs> yeah, found more of the parts. Yeah, and they're they're looking on the beach. Yeah, that and was, that goes with the metal detectors. Yep. <laughs> yeah, found some found some rusty parts. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking about when this came out and how much visibility they had, and they it seemed like they had more hype at for this album, and that's really unfortunate because Rockford was such an absolute triumph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from what I remember, that album didn't get like any hype or promotion yeah. at all, 
And then they come up with this album and they're on the daily show and, you know, got a lot more promotion and hype from, but it's really unfortunate that that wasn't Rockford that was getting that kind of hype mm-hmm. instead of this album. Yeah. This coming on the heels of Rockford needed to be great. And it's just, it is not. It's kind of like the leftovers and it, it really, really bothers me, but I think that I can fix it. I'm thinking about making a, an alternative version of this album that you can listen to on Spotify. Yes, do it. We will play with that experiment after we discuss each track. But let's kick off the album with, I know that when I put on a new Cheap Trick album, I just want to get a nap and sleep forever. <laughs> you want to get really depressed. <laughs> yeah. And of course, if you're one of the lucky ones to have the latest on vinyl... It's a very rare collectible at this point. Then you know that the album breaks down with Sleep Forever at track one. This this is the worst opening track of any Cheap Trick album. Yeah, I would have to say that's without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, this just, this is not the way you kick off an album. And I understand that they wrote this for a friend who passed away. But you know, Oh Candy was also written for a friend who passed away. And that thing fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. This is just, yeah, this is not, this, this should have closed the album out. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. It doesn't belong anywhere else in this album, but closing it out. Well, we'll see about that, won't we? Well, I guess we will when you do your, (laughs) but it definitely doesn't belong at number one. Oh my dear Lord. No, it, it really is a downer on the album. And I don't know who the song was written about. I understand the need to you know express how they felt but it could have been in a different spot on the album it's not even in my opinion it's not even a good song i would say it's barely even a song yeah it's more it's just an intro yeah and that's also a problem with another song on this album and and i'm a i'm a big fan of songs that don't last too long right because i think a lot of songs overstay their welcome like for example, we all love Day Tripper, and God help you if you don't love Day Tripper by the Beatles. But to me, if you would make a five-minute version of that song, it would just be really too long for no good reason, right? They did everything they needed to do in that amount of time. This song and another song that is on this album, it's not that they're too short. They're, they're still not good. Yeah. But we're going to get to that. I mean, uh, on In Color, Hello There is 1 minute and 41 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that does everything you needed to do to kick off that album. It's literally four seconds longer than Sleep Forever. But Sleep Forever, God, it feels it feels so long. It, just it doesn't feels like me, it is forever. It, yeah, and it gives me nothing. It gives me no joy whatsoever. Skip it. So if we were to give this the thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle kind of things, this would be a three thumbs down. Yeah, for sure for me. And I really do feel it's the worst start to any Cheap Trick album ever. Well, yeah, there's no contest. No (laughs) contest. In an interview entitled Cheap Trick, usually the song will dictate what we do with it by Joe Matera from UltimateGuitar.com, August 19th, 2009. Rick said, at the time of making this record, we were rehearsing for the Sgt. Pepper shows, and we'd done a few already, so we had access to a lot of strings. So usually, late at night, when everybody else had gone back to their rooms, 
we would hijack the string players to come into the studio and use them on our album. Rick also says for the past few albums we've tended not to do all the things at once, and because of that I think it has made the records better. It is better than sitting in a room for a month going through each song where each tends to have the influence of too many of the other songs in it, so it is now much better and fresher approach to each song. Having not to do all of it at once is definitely the way now. We did two or three songs and then we'd be gone on tour or whatever and then we'd come back and do two or three more and so on and so forth. We did them when we felt like we had them as opposed to having them right there and then. About the song Sleep Forever, Rick said, We did a tribute to big star singer Alex Chilton because he died the night we played South by Southwest last year. Big Star were supposed to appear the next night, but he died that day. We played Out in the Street in homage to him. But we also did a song for Alex that was on our latest album, Sleep Forever. But Sleep Forever was also written for John Candace, but was played at Austin City Limits for Alex, like he said in the interview. John Candace used to handle the band's merch and is pictured on the We're All Alright cover. Rick also says about Sleep Forever, I wrote the intro thing, Sleep Forever, after a funeral for a guy that worked for us because you go to these things. And I also wrote the song called Words, and words can never say what you're feeling, so that's kind of like the theme. So you go to these things and people say, oh, doesn't he look great? No, he doesn't. He looks terrible. And words can't say it. So I wrote the first song, which is sort of singing to a dead person, which is kind of a goofy thing. But it's not like, Rock of Ages... There's really no great thing that gets played, and I didn't think that there was anything out there that related to how I felt. So I wrote the intro song, and that's about a minute and a half or something, I think. Then it goes straight into a rock song. It's like, huh? But where else would you put that? If you put it at the end, nobody would probably listen to it. This way, it helps to show the diversity that we have. And Cheap Trick does indeed have diversity. And perversity, one of the things I love about him. Yeah. And from Great Performances, it's Cheap Trick with Sleep Forever, followed by Heaven Tonight, a great version. Check it out. This is for a friend of ours.
So let's move into track two. When the lights, when the lights are out, cover of Slade's song. thoughts bj on when the lights are out well slade are my second favorite band of all time and this is one of my favorite slade songs but i've always been of the opinion that putting a cover on an album is pointless unless it's a unique or a different take on a song like a band reinventing it in their own style but 
if you're just going to do a straightforward rendition of a song, a cover song, you know, live, that's cool. But I don't see any point in putting it on an album. And I don't really care. I would just go listen to the original if I wanted to hear the song, even though this is my favorite band covering my second favorite band. You know, this to me and supposedly it was recorded in 1976, which I don't know how dubious that is. I don't really know if or if parts of it are from 76 and then, you know, parts were overdubbed. I, I don't know, but I love the song, but I don't see a reason to put it on on this album at all especially at track two pat francis your thoughts are on this track uh i'm not familiar with the slade the original but yeah if you're going to do a cover you got to make it your own and if not it should be relegated to a, a bonus track or something i i don't think it belongs right. i know they they slip a, don't they slip a little of um a little Ello kitty's riff in there somewhere I mean, it would have been a better song to kick off the album. I'm not saying it's the the one to kick off the album, but certainly, yeah, it's better than Sleep Forever. So, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I. This is one of the songs I do like on the album. I have a friend who I got into Cheap Trick over the last couple of years, and they went album by album, you know, like like one to a month, right? So, like their Cheap Trick fandom is that these these first six or seven albums came out and they're just amazing. And then you like run into things like the doctor, right? So by the time that she got through the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs, right. Of cheap trick coming off of Rockford, she was looking forward to the latest and her comment. And it, it, I was never able to verbalize what she said. She said that it seems like Cheap Trick is hung up on referencing themselves continually. And there's times that that is clever, and there's times that that works, right? And then there's times when it's like, is that all you got? And this is a case of, is that all you got? I love the fact that when I first heard it, I smiled because as a longtime Cheap Trick fan, this is L.O. Kitties. But... I mean, you've got the kids singing background vocals instead of dying from the poison or whatever was going on in that <laughs> song. Uh, it's a happy version of Hello Kitties, I, which which that was one of the dynamics of that song is it's a happy song about a very evil thing or something is not good is going on. That's one of the tensions of that song. And if you don't know the Slade cover, it doesn't really jump out at you, but going back to the fact that they're extremely self-referential after that dud of a first song then you come into this and it's like hey we're those guys from 1977 remember us and it falls flat as a result i'm not saying that i don't like the performances i just really don't understand the inclusion at this part of the album yeah i mean so far they've said take a nap <laughs> and and here's something that we didn't do back in 1977 but we're those same people yeah well it's it's funny that you both reference hello kitties because that is definitely cheap tricks most glam rock sounding song mm-hmm. for sure so you know there's this uh genre called junk shop glam that mm-hmm. uh is all you know glam rock was so huge in the uk in the 70s that there were just tons of bands that just kind of put out one-off singles and stuff and then 
you know, people would find those in thrift stores and that's why it came to be known as junk shop glam. It's just all these random bands mm-hmm. and this and Hello Kitty sounds almost exactly like a lot of those junk shop glam songs that you hear. There's different compilations you can get and stuff, but yeah, the, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know how much, you know, there's a lot of Slade, but there's a lot of like Gary Glitter and that all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff in Hello Kitty's. That's really is the closest one of the closest songs to Slade that Cheap Trick did probably so so where are we at here uh what's your vote bj i wouldn't put this on the album i agree with bonus track (laughs) something like that but i i this doesn't belong on a cheap trick album to me so that's a hard pass for you i mean i love the song but i would never listen to this version over the Mm -hmm. slate version so pat thumbs up thumbs down or thumbs in the middle I do, I, I, I do give it a thumbs up because uh, compared to what's ahead, uh, this is one of the ones that I like. Like if someone said, what are your favorite four songs or five songs off them? Five, that's hard. Um, I, this would be one of them. And that's mm-hmm. rough because it's a cover. So I'm saying that I like this cover more than some originals. So, right. yeah, so I give it a thumbs up. I don't, mi- I don't mind the song. I give it a half. So Yeah, I guess I would give it a half too, but... I, I just wouldn't put it on the album. Once again, using the Butler scale, it's a half. Or if, <laughs> if we go with Hustler's scale, it's barely erect. So there you go. We're just trying to keep consistent, folks. So the next track, track three, Miss Tomorrow. Pat Francis, your thoughts on Miss Tomorrow? I have the Show Me Heaven CD single. It's from the Robin Zander solo album. And Miss Tomorrow is a bonus track, one of the two bonus tracks on that single. And that version destroys this version, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going to make it better, then why bother? Also, it lists Xander Peterson, Nielsen, Carlos Stewart. I think that's David A. Stewart from Eurythmics. Mm-hmm. And Raymond, as the writers for this version, I don't believe that's who's listed. Those people aren't all listed as the writers on the on the Xander solo version. I mean, certainly not Raymond. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I just this is a this is a waste of time for me. Not not even close to the original, which I love. Actually, when I saw this was going to be on this album, I was like, oh, cool. I can't wait to hear this. Mm-hmm. And man, disappointment set in quickly. I do not like it. Mm-hmm. Brian Cramp. Yeah, I think that single only came out in Germany, too, that this was on. Yeah, tough um, to find. Mm-hmm. I much prefer Robin's solo version. Yeah.
I mean, this is a much fuller production. You know, you get the heavier guitar on the chorus, and it's almost the exact same arrangement, though. That They did that exact same thing with Heart on the Line. When that came out on the House of Lords album, it said it was written by Rick Nielsen. And then when it came out on, what's it on, We're All All Right? Or... Mm-hmm. Or the other one, but it's uh, it says the whole band, and then Greg Jafria as authors yeah. of the song. So 
I don't I, I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> and I do understand that I do understand that a lot of people might not know Robin's solo version. So yeah. You know, I get it. So they might be thinking, what are you talking about, Pat? This is an amazing song. But if if you get to hear Robin's version, I, I just love it so much more. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the song lyrically? I like the line you taught the Beatles let it bleed. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. What's the song about? It to me it almost sounds like uh when they went over to England the first time they made out with a chick that the Beatles and everybody else made out with and she just left them cold. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about the lyrics of this song. No, I didn't even really oh. did. Uh, yeah, cold, you left me frozen to the bone, cold, your lips were like kissing stone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Way to catch us off guard, Ken. Oh, sorry. Stone man. meaning Mick Jagger, like kissing Mick Jagger. Exactly. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird song. And I can only look at Dave Stewart on this one. I'm going to blame this on him. It'll help me sleep at night. Even though I love the Eurythmics and dig a lot of what he does, that sound that goes I wouldn't like it in a rap song. I wouldn't like it in a dance song. I don't like it in a cheap trick song. It feels like it's trying to be Austin Power-ish, this whole song is. From the little British breaks and all that, it seems like, oh, behave. I'm surprised they didn't slip that in there somehow. (laughs) It would fit, right? Well, you know, Robin's solo material from, you know, the early 90s didn't sound much like Cheap Trick, you know. It wasn't right. really what he was going for. so And that's that's yeah. great. I, I think it's fantastic when an artist gets a chance to uh, explore new sounds and new rhythms and new things. But this is a cheap trick record. Yeah. Right. And so far we've heard a mini song that puts people to sleep. Cover of their own cover of another cover, right? I mean, you think about it. It's like a cover of themselves covering another band. You get it? So then we're on this, and it's a solo track from Robin Zander that really doesn't fit Cheap Trick all that much. So far, nope. Cheap Trick hasn't really showed up, and we're three songs deep. Yep. Yep, true. I'm going to give this one a half, despite the wah, 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 wah thing. <laughs> it, the, the, the slinky Austin Powers, oh, behave, look at me, baby, you know. But still, I, I give this one a half, BJ. Yeah, I would give it a half. I don't love this song, but I I like it. Now, just imagine that if you were to look up what critics said about this album, and it said, I didn't love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the best review. Pat, thumbs up, thumbs down, or right in the middle? Um, I, I give I give it uh, right in the middle or a half because Hot. I do I do like the song, but I don't like this version of the song. I, mm-hmm. I much prefer Robin's solo version. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree that when um when an artist when a singer from a band goes off and does a solo album, I like that Ro- Robin really took some chances and did some different stuff and did a great solo album. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Lou Graham does a solo album, it's just a foreigner album in my you know what I mean. It yes. just it's not. You're not doing. You're not stepping out of uh, the box at all. So, why bother? And then the oh, band- I love Ready or Not. <laughs> well, I do too. I do. I like it too. But I mean, you know, 
those songs could be foreigner songs yeah i probably i like that more than any foreigner album actually <laughs> holy cow that's another show completely <laughs> <laughs> and on miss tomorrow they did something that i can't stand and it's been on every julian raymond produced cheap trick albums ever since this and it's the fucking flanger as miss tomorrow is going out it makes me sick i hate it lay off the fucking flanger if you're doing the next album you don't need to hit that button you just don't need to do it thoughts on that guys let's lay off julian raymond i mean yes go <laughs> yes please. seriously enough the band can sever their ties you've done as much as you can do with that guy he's no longer an asset yeah they definitely need to yeah, get get somebody different in there. Work with somebody else. Yes, please. I'm sure there's tons of people that would love to work with Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Howard Willing is another name on this album. I don't, I don't think he's on. That is. Well, we he was going to come to Rock and Pod and be on a live episode of Cheap Talk, but then he didn't show up. But um, I don't think his name is on the other Julian. This this album, I think, is much better produced. I like it better. Well, maybe it's just the songs are better too, but then the uh, the last two albums. Well, hold on a second. People always talk about production and what the hell does that mean? Because this album sounds great. So yeah. when you say I don't like the producer or the producer could have done this, that there's 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 two things you have to talk about when you talk about production. There's how an album sounds and then there's the production choices of the songs. Like, for example, the flanger right at that point, right? And there's times that some of these songs start, and it's like, this sounds like cheap. This is not cheap trick. Like, at, at, even at the beginning of Sick Man of Europe, right? And that wah, 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 there's like some weird sounds on this album. And it's almost like the band was trying to like be coy, like, oh, this isn't us. But it is, you know, surprise. There's a lot of strings. Yeah, so there's a, a difference between production choices and the sound. So those two things, when people talk about production, we're producers, those are two different things that have to be talked about, right? Yeah. So we're three songs deep, and here we are at track four, and I feel that this is the first time I really can identify this as new cheap trick this one's got energy this one's got life and it should have been the opening track on the album pat francis your thoughts i i agree this this is the uh if you're gonna if you're gonna reconfigure this album re uh rearrange it resequence it yeah sick man of europe uh should kick off the album for sure yeah this is the first cheap trick song we're hearing on this album and it's credited to the band plus plus uh julian raymond uh-huh. brian cramp it's it's referencing the old the the, the name of the band that um, was before that all of them except Robin were in at one point or another. But I like this song all right. I don't think it's great. Um, you know, everybody wanted a heavy. Everybody's going to be excited about a heavy new cheap trick song where Robin is screaming and <laughs> yeah, all of that is cool. But I don't think the chorus is that great. Is that I don't think the chorus is that great on this song. The best part is probably the pre-chorus or the bridge and the bass. And, and, There's some heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean the riffs. Like lead lead bass riff on this. It's a really short song. It's like it it ends. You're surprised when it ends. You know. That's true. I agree with that. 
Yeah, but if it would have lasted another two minutes, it would have been horrible, going back to what I said uh, previously. You know, it's it, it, it really earns its space, right? Every, there, there's, no, there's no wasted crap in it. It's a weird song, though. It's, a, it's just, I don't know why they were, you know, Rick Nielsen has gone on record saying it's the worst band name ever, or something like that, he said. I think Tom Peterson is the one who came up with the name, but... It's just weird that they had this song called that and like they say this ain't the Naz, it's self-preservation, which is like specifically referencing the band, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the singer of Sick Man of Europe was Stooky from the Naz. So it's a, it's a weird song. It's just strange. Mm-hmm. Track four, Sick Man of Europe. Uh, the first time we were in Canada in this area was in 1977 with Kiss. And your parents were really drunk when they came to see us. Uh, and your grandparents, too. This next tune uh, was actually voted the, the second greatest song of the year 2009, but only in England. Here we go. I love it. I love it so much. This is the first time Cheap Trick has shown up on this CD. 
and Tom is off the rails. It's amazing. It's everything I love about Tom Peterson's playing. Robin screaming like a madman, and it's fantastic. You hear Rick Nielsen. This is the band Bunny thumping away back there on drums. This is Cheap Trick. This is the one they choose to play a lot, and I can see why. This is the best song on the album, in my opinion, as far as a rocker, and it should have been the lead-off track. And when I resequenced the album at the end, this is track number one. <sighs> Can you tell I like this one? <laughs> I remember picking up my stepkids from school, and I was sitting there watching all the people dropping their kids off and picking them up and i'm like listening to this song like full blast in my car and people walking by like what the fuck's up with this guy <laughs> <laughs> it's a cheap trick party fuck off you don't understand <laughs> yeah i i play the music very loud in the car and what what we should all do because you don't realize how much it's pumping outside you should actually turn the Turn it up to where you normally listen to it. Then get out of the car and shut the doors and walk away from the car. And you'll be you'll be like, oh, my God, that's way too loud. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I always have to be really careful if my wife or daughter are in the car that I get that turned down as I start up the car. Yes, me too. Because <laughs> you know? it's so loud. Yeah, I play it really loud. And then they'll be, you don't listen to it that loud, do you? I'm like, no, that, I don't know. I, it. Happened. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Some CDs are louder than others. <laughs> right. By the way, uh, remember how cool YouTube used to be? Like, you'd like have a buddy come over like, man, check this out. There's this really cool guitar solo. Check this out. And it's a Pringles commercial. <laughs> it's a Lay's commercial. Yeah. It's like, God, you fucked that up. You know, you can never just have that cool. And now into the song. Now it's an ad all the time, so fuck off, YouTube. Anyway, I, lo I still love you, though. I love you, YouTube. Thank you. <laughs> the next track, track five, is These Days. your thoughts on these days i like this song i've always thought that it seemed like a no-brainer at some point for a cheap trick to be produced by jeff lynn mm -hmm. maybe like busted 
around the time of Busted or something, that would have been a great combination. And I think this might have been what it would have sounded like. Is this is a song like this? I like this song. Again, I don't think it's incredibly great, but I do like it. I like the production on this album, but sometimes it's overproduced. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's just too much, and some of the songs should be a little more stripped down. And I think this might be one of those, but it's a good song. And it would have fit like, it's kind of like one of those woke up with a monster type mellow songs. So it's it's got a good cheap trick vibe and everything. It It works. I like it. Pat Francis, your thoughts on these days? Um, I've always loved this one. I, I, I don't know what it is about it. I think I like the lyrics. I just, um, yeah, I really enjoy this one a lot. I, I This is one of my favorites on the on the album, for sure. In the top three for me. Yeah. We have two good songs in a row. Yeah. I like this one a lot. Finally, we're moving. Yeah, we're moving. And I don't know if we keep moving, but we'll find that out as we go into track six, Miracle. I can't seem to slow About the song Miracle, Rick said, We actually had that record for the last record, Rockford. But Robin felt it was missing something at the time, so we left it off. And when it came time to do this record, we attempted it again, and so re-recorded it, and this time it seems as perfect for this album. And I agree, I think that on this track, Robin's definitely stirring up the John Lennon pot. So even Rick recognizes the John Lennon homages that we are citing. Ladies and gentlemen, my favorite lead singer in the whole wide world. A song he wrote uh, that's on her latest album, the latest. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robin Zander. It's not too late 
Francis, your thoughts on Miracle? I believe we have uh, we have three good songs in a row now because oh. I do like I do like Miracle a lot. Um, I just like this one. I think Robin's voice sounds good on it, and um, yeah, I enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. Mr. Cramp, I like it, but it's so obviously a John Lennon song. It's almost a rewrite of Mind Games. Sure. <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, it, it would you could put this on one of those John on Imagine or Mind Games. You know, you could put this right on one of those records, practically. But yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a good version of John Lennon for sure. It's it's a good song. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the John Lennon reference kind of thing. There's also a song that references Paul McCartney in my mind. But it seems like there's like four songs on this album that are very Lennon-esque, right? Yeah. But yeah. not as obvious as this, you know. Right. And it seems like there's almost on every cheap trick record one Beatles or Lennon reference song. But this whole album has a bunch. I mean, there's some in Miss Tomorrow, right? And there's stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say this is another good track. It's it's better than half for me. BJ, thumbs up, thumbs down, or right in the middle. Thumbs up, I guess. Pat? Yeah, I, I go thumbs up. Also, there's a there's an outside writer on this, Marvin Etziano. I, I don't even know who that is either. You can't even pronounce it. I probably cannot. <laughs> Interesting. 
What about you? Did you give it a, a rating, Ken? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a slight thumbs up. All right. So that's three sl- thumbs up. Slums yeah. up? Yeah, mine is slight, too. <laughs> yeah. So that's a slum. Yeah, a slum. <laughs> a slight thumb is a slums up. Yeah, that's when it's not really super hard. It's You're just slumming it. Slum it, you know. So anyway, there we go. Let us know what you think about Cheap Tricks, the latest. Uh, love it. Hate it. Let us know. If you disagree with us, I, I know you will let us know. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to reading your feedback and being part of the conversation over on our Facebook page. And uh, BJ, there's something I want to run by you. I want to do a game show featuring Cheap Trick. <laughs> okay. I want to take a page from Pot of Thunder, and I want to do a Cheap Trick song at random and talk about it and give my warped meaning on what the lyrics might actually mean. You know, uh, who knows? But uh, what do you think of doing that? Yeah, sure. I think it might be fun. We're all friends here. I'll talk about anything, Cheap Trick. (laughs) All right. Be looking forward to that. We might uh, drag Tracy Yashulis in on that. That might be fun. And we hope to see some of you at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2019, August 10th. Rock and Pod is back. The annual celebration of rock returns to Nashville. This convention brings together the best rock stars, music podcasters, vinyl and memorabilia vendors, and rock fans from all corners of the globe. Special guests include Michael Sweet of Striper, Brian Forsyth of Kicks. Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick, Erie Vaughn of Danzig, and members of Exodus, Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Kick Tracy, and more. Music podcasts from all over North America will be recording on-site all weekend. Special pre-party featuring the rock and roll residency, The Talisman, 8-Ball, and Lipstick Generation on Friday night. Rockin' Pod Expo on Saturday. Join us at the Nashville Airport Marriott August 9th and 10th for Rockin' Pod. Podcast registration and tickets and VIP packages available now at rockinpod.com. Come out and meet Mr. Brian Cramp and myself at the Nashville Rock and Pod 2019. Along with Christine the Button Queen and Matt Porter and Anthony Porter and Craig Cohen and just... Everybody from all of our shows. Even Tracy Yastrulis is coming out there for that. So that'll be cool, right, BJ? Yeah. So we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Cheap Talk. I would like to thank Clive Palmer for his assistance in putting this episode together. And also all the great information that he provides everybody on our Facebook page. Thank you, Clive. Pat Francis, please tell us where folks can find you on the social media platforms. Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Rock Solid Show. And if you go to rocksolidpodcast.com, you're going to find everything you need to know. Uh, episodes, T-shirts, Patreon page, all that good stuff. You'll see artwork. Uh, we have a bunch of rotating artists that do artwork for each episode. So uh, that's what I would do. And thank you so much, Ken and BJ. Thank you, Pat. Thank, thank you, Pat. Check out the latest Let Us Know Your Thoughts, and we'll see you all on the next episode of Cheap Talk. Say see ya, Pat. Thanks, guys. See you later. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. 
Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'.